This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another edition of The Podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First World Collectibles, if you're into nerd culture, if you're into science sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstroll.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20. They got everything from comic books to signed wrestling figures, signed old WWF magazines. Anything you need or want, they have it there. Best thing is they update daily and they do ship worldwide. So please visit them at firstrow.ca. And if you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Shovel Knight, NBA Jam, Red Dead Redemption, and so many others. Everything you see on their websites available in paperback and ebook format. So please visit them at bossfightbooks.com. If you're looking for the best supplements and CBD products on the market, look no further and visit Legacy. Subs.com and use promo code the podcast to receive 10% off. They have everything from sleep aid to muscle building, anything that makes you feel better. This does not only apply to athletes, your everyday blue collar or office workers, doesn't matter. Take it, it's good for you. They are legacy sports nutrition, so visit them at legacysubs.com. And if you want to support me directly, you can visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device. It's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link, it takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from t-shirts to travel mugs to phone cases cases anything you need or want it is literally there but the most important thing the freest thing the best thing you could do to support the podcast is rate subscribe review on all major platforms most specifically apple Podcasts, stitcher tune in soundcloud spotify and iHeartRadio. radio so this week's guest has written articles for shacknews.com games radar and official xbox and playstation magazines just to name a few he has also written a handful of books from the aforementioned Shovel Knight to Stay a While and Listen and the soon-to-be-released Long Live Mortal Kombat. Returning guest, David L. Craddock. And I've been looking for an excuse to come back, so I'm excited about this. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for having me. Not a problem, Dave. But again, you don't need an excuse because we have so much in common. We like <laughs> literature. We like video games. We like wrestling. So... There's always room to talk about that on my show, my friend. You, you, you don't need to be putting out a project to come back on. That's true. That's true. You know, we check all three of those boxes. What more do we need in life? I think we're set. Pretty much, right? You you got it. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yes, b- before we get started, your soon-to-be Mortal Kombat books coming out. Like I said, you did Shovel Knight, Boss Fight books, all that fun stuff. Is there anything other than video games that you want to write about? Because I know you write about video games a lot, but is there anything else, like say, I don't know, like a drama or a horror fiction, anything else on, on the plate that you you want to take off? No, that's a great question. So actually, I do bounce between nonfiction and fiction. I've published okay. three novels. Uh, one, one self-published called The Dumpster Club, which is a contemporary story for young adults. And then two I sold both parts of a series the first one is heritage the second is point of fate and those are epic fantasy novels also aimed at young adults Mm. uh reviewed both both reviewed really well so i actually do have 
uh, a horror novel on the fire right now. Okay, okay. Uh, that one I wrote last year, along with Long Live Mortal Kombat, kind of wrote them both in tandem, and then um, I hope to uh, revise the horror novel later this year and start pitching it early 2023. So it's just a matter of keeping all these plates spinning in the air and deciding which one to eat off of first at this point. See, now you ticked off another box of mine, horror. I love that genre. That's one of my favorites. That and comedy are probably my top two that I enjoy watching. And yeah, if you come out with a nice horror novel, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait, my friend. I'll let you read an early copy then. I oh, want nice. to make sure the target audience likes it, so I'll get back at you probably later this year. Oh, beautiful. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how many books in total have you actually written then? Okay, this is going to sound like a humble brag, okay. but I, I don't know. <laughs> Shut and up. And that's the truth. It's 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 around 25 or 26, okay. I think. I was going to say ballpark at least. Yeah, yeah. You know, And I'm, I'm what's called a hybrid author. I self-published okay. some. I've sold others. Um, but there are some that are like exclusive to ebook. There are some that are exclusive uh, to hardcover. There sure. are others in a range of formats. I, I don't count one book in three formats, like paperback, hardcover, ebook. Each time, sure. it's just one book. But yeah, I honestly, you, you know how it is. You get so busy with projects that you're not really thinking about what you've done. It's what you're working on at the moment and, and what's over the horizon. So it's, I'll, I'll just pick a safe number and say it's probably around 26 so what was the book you had the most fun writing uh so last year i kick-started a book called monsters in the dark the okay. making of XCOM com ufo defense the very first XCOM game okay. from 1994 and i wrote that in 2020 over about i think it was four or five weeks and it was just a blast to write i um, I, I usually like, you know, because this is a job, it can be stressful and not sure. just fun, but that book was no stress whatsoever. It was just a good time. And, uh, I usually, I, I tend to, one reason I go between fiction and nonfiction is because when you're so bogged down with one, I kind of need a palate cleanser um, and I, I love to write. It's, it's sure. really, it's kind of my identity. It's not just a job, but I don't like to do the same thing over and over and over. So, so after a book about video games, I'll usually write a short story or in this case, a horror novel. Sure. And then I go back to video games. Cause that's, I think how most people know me as of right now. And, and those stories are fun too. I try to do something a little different with each of those books and we'll talk more about how that relates to the Mortal Kombat I'm sure no of course now how about which one's like been the like the most difficult to write the longest or that you like started and you're like why did I get myself involved with this project <laughs> uh, that's a great question I would say uh, Long Live Mortal Kombat has been emotionally taxing Oh, for reasons okay. I, I probably won't go into now, oh, sure. but it's it's been uh, it's been a, a difficult book, a fun book, but it's one of those deals where I sometimes have wondered why I got myself into it. And, and the, <laughs> the answer I keep coming back to is because I love Mortal Kombat. I mean, Long Live Mortal Kombat is something that one of the people I interviewed said, and it really captures the spirit of I think that franchise and the passion the fans have for it. So. The ups and downs to me the downs are just more motivation to to climb back to a high point and kind of the reason that we we do this in the first place just create and so i've i've never really abandoned a project it just kind of makes me work all the harder although i do lie awake some nights thinking man if i could just put this away and do something else a little easier <laughs> Uh, uh, that would be great, but if it's easy, it it might not be as worthwhile, you know. Yeah, no. Well, it's true. The, I think you get your most fulfillment when you finish a harder project versus finishing something that's easy, right? Yep, exactly. Fully agree. Now, okay. Now, speaking of Mortal Kombat, obviously, a huge fan. Listeners know I talk about Mortal Kombat as much times as I I, I can on the show. <laughs> so, what gave you the first ideas? What made you want to write about Mortal Kombat? All right, so this is a question I was anticipating, but in a good way because okay. it's it's a fun answer, I think. Um, so I mentioned just a few minutes ago uh, that I like to do something different with each book. I've, mm -hmm. I've loved Mortal Kombat since I was 10. Uh, that was 1992 when it came out. I played mm -hmm. it in arcades. Played it more on home consoles because okay. my parents weren't as keen on giving me money to blow in arcades because it's like you spend those quarters and then what do you have to show for it? That was their mentality, not mine. Right. Um, but I... I didn't write about Mortal Kombat until 2019 when one of my books, Arcade Perfect, which was all about how 
coin-op games were converted to different home systems came out. That was that was the angle. A lot of the books I write, such as Shovel Knight, which I'm very proud of, is a kind of in the trenches story. You're you're embedded with the developers. You're kind of walking beside them as they make games, going through the the, the struggles, the the victories, peaks and valleys. But I I didn't want to write just about that when it came to Mortal Kombat. Okay. I wanted to do something a little different. So I realized that Arcade Perfect was unique because no one had really written a book about home ports. You know, you can find a lot of information on there about how Mortal Kombat was made. And we know that Acclaim did this Mortal Monday campaign that was a big deal. It was, I think they, yeah, they put $10 million into it, which made it the most expensive video game marketing campaign at the time. And I was like, oh, I want to write about home ports because that's something that interests me as a kid. I was one of those kids who would get the latest issue of, of GamePro or EGM. Mm, and very serious stuff, right? You, you've got maybe both systems and you're like, which version <laughs> do I get? Which one looks better? Which one sounds better? Which one controls better? Yeah. And so I wanted to write about that. I okay. wanted to write about how, how, how things were lost in translation as you convert <laughs> from coin-op to Super Nintendo or Amiga or whatever. Um, and then after that project was done, I was really proud of it, but I moved on to some other things. And um, <clears throat> Mortal Kombat came around again. I was thinking, well, I don't just want to write about the making of because I've done that so many times. What's my angle? The angle for me was, as a kid, I loved this series, and I was always kind of confused and a little frustrated with all these politicians and concerned parents who were saying (laughs) video games games corrupt youth. They're going to grow up to be serial killers and disturbed. I'm like, I... I've never killed anybody. Maybe I maybe I black out and go into a killing spree. I don't know. Uh, but I I just thought that was a load of bull. Right. And then on Twitter, I became part of the Mortal Kombat community, and everyone I interacted with there was just so positive. And they have such personal stories. And I knew right then. I don't remember the exact moment, but I thought that's my end. I'm going to write a book about. Not only how Mortal Kombat was made, right? But you know, in all my stories so far, it's mostly been like, what's it like to be behind closed doors making these games? Sure. It, I don't get into how do they affect people once the games are out of the developers' hands and on shelves and in homes. Right, right. That's what this book is about. Okay. There are stories about uh, a kid whose whose dad would get drunk, beat his mom, and he was just a little boy, so he wow. couldn't stop this, and so. Yeah. He would climb out his window and go to a local convenience store, and the proprietor who worked the graveyard shift uh-huh. was like, "Hey, kid, I see you hanging around. I'll put the game on free play if you just sweep the floors for me." Oh shit! That was Mortal Kombat was his escape, and wow. there are other stories about a guy in in Russia who okay. his arcade was kind of a, a drug den. Drug dealers would they kind of staked out the arcade as their place to sell. And they would beat you up if you tried to play the games they were holding on to because that was their turf. Well, this kid sure. got beat up, but he also got good enough at Mortal Kombat to beat the drug dealers. And <laughs> after they slapped him around, sure. they said, okay, show us how you did that. And he earned the respect of these guys. Not wow. only that, but when he grew up, he said the reason I, I, I got the internet was to write strategy guides for Mortal Kombat. I learned how to build web pages. And all of that led to me having a career in IT. So really Mortal Kombat wow. kind of led me to my career, how I make a living. Right. And I said, there are all these great stories, these positive stories about members of the community who use Mortal Kombat as an escape or use it as a springboard to get ahead in life. And that is the, the spirit of Long Live Mortal Kombat, about how it has touched lives. So do you also have like interviews with like the developers and other stuff, or is it just like how you said the uh, emotional experiences with Mortal Kombat? I do. So, so this book, Long Live Mortal Kombat, is uh, the name of the trilogy. Round one is book one, gotcha. and it's it's uh, the arcade era. So there are four sections, one for each of the arcade games, and okay. each section kind of goes in roughly the same order. It always starts with developers. I did talk to. Uh, you know, the folks who made the games, the folks who sold the games to tell you. Know, so you'll learn about, you know, Mortal Kombat 1, 2, 3, Ultimate MK3, Trilogy, and 4, how these games were made. Okay. But then from there, I talked to pro players to learn how they got the pro strats to determine things like tier lists, what's oh. what's unbeatable, you know, who's actually at the top, what are the techniques. And then the third part of each section is fan stories. 
And so I think everyone who likes reading about video games will find something to love here. If you want to know about how the games are made, you'll get that. If you want to know about uh, how to be kind of the best at Mortal Kombat 1, 2, and 3, which are still played online and at tournaments, you'll get that. And if you want some really personal character-driven stories, uh, you'll get that too. Oh, that's awesome. So like you mentioned, you went up all the way to Mortal Kombat 4. Is that where you stop? You don't go further than those? That's where I stopped okay. for this book. And then oh, round two will gotcha. be the, the 3D era. And then final round, because you know Mortal Kombat's always two out of three. Of course. Will be the, the modern era, or as people call it, the reboot era. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, because I was, I was going to touch that w- with you quickly, too, because I'm a huge fan of the original four. Like, those are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Then, like you said, when they went into 3D, I fell off. And I only came recently back with I think it was Mortal Kombat ten and eleven. I yeah. fe- and eleven I fell in love with, and we could get into that later on. But <laughs> I was just wondering, like, so from out, out of okay, I don't want to say which one's your favorite because, like you said, you break it up into three. So let's concentrate on the book. Out of the first four, which one is your favorite out of those? I am part of a vocal minority who, who loved Mortal Kombat four, even though I, I, I spent countless hours. Yeah, like I spent countless hours with all of them. But four, I thought was so, so. To me, one of the pillars of Mortal Kombat is accessibility. It was a a simpler game to learn than Street Fighter Two, which was yes. technically demanding, yes. right? But gotcha. if you you know everyone had the same same basic punches and kicks, they were kind of distinguished by their special moves and how you could do juggle combos. And juggle combos was under the surface, you know, to get to be really good at these games, you had to know advanced techniques like juggle combos, yep. the dial of combos. But my, my problem with the dial <laughs> combos in the MK3 games was always, it's like knowing a phone number. If you know the phone number and I don't, suddenly we're on different footing. Whereas Mortal Kombat before was always more about things are more or less equal and it's, it's a matter of skill, not rote memorization. MK4 had a dial of combo system, but the, the, all the characters had the same combos. You diversified by figuring out how to mix together the combos with their special moves with juggles. You could kind of express yourself creatively by making your Raiden play a lot differently than my Raiden and, and so forth. And uh, so, yeah, I love all of them, probably MK2 after that, then Ultimate MK3 and then one, but MK4 for me has always been really special. And I think it sucks that it's been kind of ignored. We've seen a lot of re-releases of the first three, but not MK4. I really want another version of that. No, and, and that's what I was just going to say. I'm so surprised. Like, yeah, like you said, you see renditions here and there, but why hasn't there been a collection? Like, you see the Mega Man collections, you see this collection, Castlevania collection. Why not? Even Street Fighter has their collection. Why not have a Mortal Kombat 1 to 4, like you said, the original 4 before it went 3D, as a collection? That would blow my mind playing that on the Switch or on a, a PlayStation, right? Oh, that would blow my mind, too. And we, we've seen that here and there. I think the last release, though, was in uh, 2011, which that's that's PS3 and Xbox 360 era. That's okay. ancient now, right? That's what I'm um, saying. Those games haven't been re-released since then. Now, there have actually been, I think, three attempts to remaster them, and I write okay. about two of them nice. in the book. But uh, I'm with you. I, I think there are reasons that 4 hasn't been included one is that arcade emulation, you know, all these games, obviously, no matter what platform you play them on, they are ROMs running on emulators. Right. And, you know, emulation has gotten to the point where 2D games have, are running more or less perfectly, but 3D games like MK4 is still tricky. So I, I feel like that's one reason we haven't sure. seen 4 as part of these collections yet. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and in, in my instance, I don't know which one is my favorite, to tell you the truth. I know, I don't want to say that one is my least because if it wasn't for one, there wouldn't have been, obviously, the other ones. But to me, it seemed like it always got better, like you said. I really enjoyed two because I think that's the one I was the best one at because that's the one I pumped in the most quarters at the arcade. And then after, obviously, on the home system, I got it again. And then three, I loved it because, again, more characters. Then when it dropped the ultimate, I was like, oh, even more. And then same thing with four. They brought back the dead characters. It's like, oh, my God, my mind is blown. And then... Like, you know, so it always kept getting better. That's the thing that I loved about Mortal Kombat. And I'm sure we're going to get into even the lore and the backstory of Mortal Kombat. Because to me, that's where the meat and potatoes are of Mortal Kombat. Like, people think it's like the fatalities, the blood. I think, honestly, it's the story that kept people coming back. I think you're completely right. And that's that's one of the points I make in the game. A, a lot of the people I interviewed said, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. The first thing that caught my attention was the fatalities because it's of course. it's a great spectacle, right? Yeah. You've never seen anything like that in a video game before. 
uh, especially characters that looked so realistic, photorealistic for the day. Yep. Um, That's the other thing. But uh, I, I think you're right. I think Mortal Kombat kept getting better. And that's one of the advantages I, I believe that franchise had over Street Fighter, where, you know, I, I love Street Fighter 2 as well. But yeah. Capcom kept putting out updates to Street Fighter 2. Yeah. <laughs> and there wasn't much of a story there. It was just, no. hey, this is a tournament. We all want to win for reasons. Mortal Kombat kept putting out sequels. And you wanted to see who's back, who's not back, why aren't they back, what does Liu Kang look like this time, wait, right? that guy at Sub-Zero, why does he have a scar over his exactly. eye, why isn't he in the ninja outfit anymore, you know, <laughs> there was, I think you're absolutely right, I got obsessed with the lore, I think Mortal Kombat has something for everyone, I mean, I talk to pro players who are like, I don't really care about the lore, I just love the what? gameplay, Okay. and then you have people who are like, I love the lore more than the gameplay. I yep. just play the story modes and I want to see the endings. That's it has something for everybody. And I don't think you can say that about, you know, Street Fighter V added a story mode. But yeah. to me, two things. Like, first of all, Street Fighter 3, 4, and 5 aren't actually sequels to 2. They're all like prequels. So the timeline is like this yeah, big plate of spaghetti. Yeah. You know, whereas also, like, you didn't add a story mode until the fifth game. I kind of just don't care by this point. Whereas Mortal <laughs> Kombat has always had. Always had lore, always fascinating lore, too. And so I feel that when a new Mortal Kombat is announced, you've got people speculating about everything. Who are the new characters? Who's back? Who's dead? Who's coming back to life? Is, is Shao Kahn still the big bad? Is it Shinnok? Is it someone new? True. And I think that's why every Mortal Kombat... I think that's why Mortal Kombat has endured for 30 years of counting right yeah no kidding and yeah and you bring a good point too what it was it was like a war back then street fighter versus mortal Kombat. like people don't understand again this is the era of you had to make a decision like there was console wars there was the wrestling wars there was the rap wars it's like there, there was a war for everything and you had to choose your side growing up in the 90s slash early 2000s right and to me i found okay like i love street fighter 2 I'm, I'm not disparring it it's a great franchise as well but there's just something about Mortal Kombat, and like you said, it's the story. Because honestly, in a, a, people might murder me for maybe not the most, not maybe not MK11, but going back to the original ones, I think Street Fighter Two is a tighter game. Like, oh yeah, like you know what I mean. Like the combo system, like you said, everything it flows better. There's no stutter. You know, it just played awesome. Like you cannot compare a fighting game, and I think everyone tries to emulate that now moving forward because that's the way you play, right? But MK, like you said, the story, the lore, and then. The, the humor in it, because it's not only gore, there's a lot of humor in Mortal Kombat that people seem to forget about too, right? Yeah, there really is. And I think it is a much more complete package. The, the funny thing is, I have an entire chapter dedicated to the Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat War. Nice. And the, the funny thing was, you know, kind of like you said, like up 2 is kind of the prevailing favorite from that era. Of course. Up there with Ultimate MK3 for the gameplay. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason is, like a lot of Street Fighter fans I talked to said, I didn't really take Mortal Kombat seriously until 2, when they added things like, you know, in the first one, if you jump over someone... You don't turn around and kick. You can't do that. Right. Two let you do that. So it was it was more mechanically sound than the first game. Of course. And also, I mean, those graphics are beautiful. The sounds are great. Yep. And that's when you realize, that's since that was the first sequel, you're like, oh, there's this ongoing story here. I want to follow this. Um, but yeah, even they said like Street Fighter, Street Fighter was a much more mechanically sound game. But Mortal Kombat has more than that it has mechanics whatever you think of them but it also mm -hmm. has these cool characters it has you know fatalities it has spectacle it has lore it's just kind of it checks more boxes for a lot of people and here's another one we haven't mentioned yet all the damn secrets and secret characters what other game did this at that time so that's another big thing right like what probably one of my least favorite mortal kombats is mk versus dc universe for a lot of reasons mine too i understand that dc was like hey we can't have you ripping batman's head <laughs> off and batman's my favorite character of all time i don't know you you know the listeners can't see this oh, there but you go. A batman style wedding ring that my wife designed nice. for me. she knows okay. my heart beats for the bat but <laughs> In Mortal Kombat, it just doesn't really make sense. So not only sure. was it kind of watered down, but there were no secrets. There were only like 20 characters, 10 per side. And I'm like, to yeah. me, Mortal Kombat is as much about the secrets as the gore, if not more. Because that's the whole thing, right? Like, I love how, how Ed Boon, as, as he continued with the franchise <laughs> after John Tobias went to, to kind of seek his fortune elsewhere, yeah. he was like, okay, the internet's getting bigger, but how can we still 
create this sense of intrigue and mystery. And they did things like the crypt. They did things like even now, more come at 11, people are still discovering right? hidden brutalities. Yep. And so there's still today, a lot of people like, like we said, right. Some people love the lore. Some people love the gameplay. Some people love the secrets. They want to document every secret. And there's also, I know back in the day I write about mm. this, but if you knew a fatality, you had a crowd of people around you acting like you were like the king or queen of your arcade. It was a, it was a cool thing right. to have a crowd of people cheering for you. But it's like being the wrestler rather than in the stands, right? Like everyone chanting your name sort of thing. And so that aura, that aura of, of mystery is different today, but you know, Ed Boone and the folks at NetherRealm are still finding ways to kind of evolve it. Yeah, no kidding. It, it's so true. And like, uh, there's so many things about Mortal Kombat that I want to talk. Okay, how about this? What is one of your favorite secrets? Because mine, the one I could think of the most is finding out how to get when you got Reptile in part one. That that just blew my mind completely. That that blew my mind completely, especially because it was so intricate. Like, yes, you had to have the silhouettes flying over the stage. And yes. You had to get the double flawless. You couldn't block. You had to get a fatal. <laughs> and that was just to fight him. He was so damn hard. Yep. But I have to say, probably two was my favorite in terms okay. of secrets. Everyone was expecting one character. Right. You know, you, you find Jade or you find Smoke. Yep. And then you're like, oh, oh, okay, two characters since this is two. But then there was a third character. Uh, and, you know, even the home versions had their own secrets, like a tournament mode that was exclusive to the Super Nintendo version. Mm-hmm. I, I like that there were nested secrets. In fact, one story I tell in the book okay. is that... Um, John Tobias did not know about Reptile. Oh, Ed okay. Boone made that kind of as a as a prank. Right. They had the palette swap for Scorpion and Sub Zero, so he was like, "I'm just going to make a Green Ninja." There you go. Uh, give him both moves for Scorpion and Sub Zero, and when John found that, he was like, "Okay, that's cool, but <laughs> let me know in the future so that I can write lore for these." So ah, Mortal Kombat Two comes around. Makes sense. Mortal Kombat Two comes around. And they worked together on Jade and Smoke. Sure. But then Ed did his sneaky thing again. He made Noob Cybot, Boone Tobias. <laughs> I love that too. And nobody knew about that until like halfway right. through development. And Tobias was like, there he goes again, right? But they, he still had time to write lore for him. So I think that that's really a hallmark of both of them. Like I think they both love to create secrets mm-hmm. and even kind of one-up each other in that friendly way of like, hey – we made the game, but there's still some mystery in it for us, too. I think that's part of the fun of it. And another thing that blew my mind, especially playing Part 2, was you were able to play as the final boss from Part 1, Shang Tsung, and be able to morph it to every other character. Boom! Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. I mean, you didn't see anything like that before, nope. right? Like, in Mortal Kombat 1, everybody wanted to be Shang Tsung because you can be every character. But, like, exactly. in 2, I feel like the best players are the ones who knew all the morphs and knew all the special moves for the characters they could turn into, right? Like, that meant, like, you were just an encyclopedia of knowledge, if you could do that. And uh, I wasn't able to do that in the arcade, but once it came to the home version, that was my goal, and that's how I became so good at it. I just kept playing, and I would do... Now that I'm looking back, I'm starting to remember bits and pieces. I think I would do... Because this was the only game I was playing, so I probably played this for, like, fucking five or six months straight, right? So I probably did, like, a week or two of getting down the morphs into two or three characters and then memorizing their moves. And then I'd add one each time and then circle through those and then add another one. So the old ones are still fresh while I'm not forgetting, right? And I don't think I made it all the way because if I made it all the way, I'd be a freak. But I got to the point where I think I was able to memorize the top three or four favorite characters of mine and just play as those every single time and that's it. And you kind of blew minds because, you know, you, you, your friends might be used to you playing Melina or, or Sub-Zero. But then if you're switching between Melina and Sub and Katana and Reptile, it's like, oh, man, I never know what's coming, you know? And it was actually so bad at one point that they had to ban from me playing as Shang Tsung. <laughs> <laughs> I had a similar thing. My friends, they made a rule. Okay. I only got to play three games in a row because I always won. <laughs> and then I had to give up my controller so someone else could, could play Right, you know, so I, I feel you, man. We were just too good. They were holding us down. Well, you said you didn't, you weren't going to the arcade to play a lot. Luckily, well, my parents didn't know I was going to the arcade, but I would go to the arcade. And it, if I'm not mistaken, it was if you play versus, winner stays on, right until until you lose, or if you if no one plays, you go up the ladder until you lose there, right? So I remember yeah. that 
I wouldn't have a lot of quarters. So my goal was to stay on as long as I could. And I hate to admit it. Sometimes you would do like the cheese combos just so you stay on an extra round or just so you don't get kicked <laughs> off. But then it's like, okay, enough is enough. You know what I mean? And that's the other thing that kids don't realize nowadays. Like it's not only that it was fun, but you got that adrenaline rush from staying on and seeing if you could beat the next record and you see the lineup and you're like, oh, this guy's king. Like, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, it, w- it was a huge deal because the, the thing about like playing the home versions that was more accessible, but they yeah. were never up to the same level as the arcade versions in terms of graphics and sound. Of course, but also you know once you knew how to beat your friends and the kids in your neighborhood, there was no new competition in the arcade. You never know who was going to step up like some new gunslinger in town. Right? Right? It was a big deal. <laughs> it was a big deal, and I I write about a lot of those stories. A lot of people I talked to became masters in their arcade. They would actually travel across the country, state to state, scouting competitions. Oh, my God. Well, going back to the book quickly, I know you're, it, as of this recording, it's still not out, but as this episode drops, your Kickstarter is going. It's Hopefully, it's going nice and strong, and you've already hit your goal in two days. But I hope so. There's two versions of the book. Speaking of Ultimate, you have an Ultimate version and a Standard version. What What's the difference between the two? So the the big difference is in price. Uh, the standard okay. version is a hardcover or paperback or digital book, uh, priced about how you'd expect. Okay. And it's kind of like a book's book. It's just black and white, no oh. images or anything. If you just want the story, then that's fine. Uh, the story is the same in both versions, so you're not missing okay. anything there. But Ultimate Longley Mortal Kombat is uh, exclusively in hardcover. It's an oversized book. Okay. Uh, glossy pages and my wife who's a super talented graphic designer is doing a stylized layout i've got i've got concept art never before seen i've got photos from fans i've got like 4k screenshots of the classics so if you want if you want like a prestige style book to show off to add to a collection show off on a shelf you'll want ultimate long live mortal Kombat. but there's also kind of a collector's angle too they each have their own cover but, you know, oh. so there is a package where you can get both. And they also come with little collectibles. Like we have a, we made an arcade token style coin that's oh, nice. numbered. The bookmark looks like a string of tickets that you'd get from Redemption Games. Mm-hmm. There's even a little uh, arcade cabinet stand type deal that you'll be able to put the book on. There's all sorts of things like that that are optional. Cool. You can just get the book. But if you want this other stuff, what I like to do with my with anything I create is I like there to be a theme. And so since this was the arcade era, I was like, okay, anything we come up with has to be of the arcade. And so that's why you sure. get a bookmark that looks like tickets. That's why you get a collector's coin if you want that. If you just want the books, you can get that too. Well, that's what I was just going to ask. What are the different tiers that you're offering on Kickstarter then? I'm doing more than I've ever done before. Oh, wow. Uh, usually okay. I avoid physical items because, you know, they can drive up the cost. Of course. We priced everything pretty carefully here. And so there are about 10 different tiers. Nice. And you'll be able to, the, the reason there are so many is not to be overwhelming, but so that you can pick and choose. You're like, oh, I want this, but not this. This is more my price range. Or, hey, I want to go all out. Some of, of the tiers include things like interview with me in the very top tier. Uh, I'll interview you, I'll get your story about Mortal Kombat, and I'll work with the artist to create kind of a scene like you'd see from one of the endings in the arcade game. Oh, that's cool. And I'll write your story right. in the style of the lore that you'd get in the ah, arcade games. I like that. And, you know, yeah, there's also a companion book called Cool Stuff, Cool with a K. Yep. That comes from, I don't know if you play this version, the home okay. version of MK3 on Super Nintendo had okay. three secret menus. Oh. Cool Stuff cooler stuff and scott stuff which was named after the programmer who did the conversion and in each of those menus you'd find secret cheat codes and so this companion book is in fact you can read it for free online right now but if you want the print version it's it's on the kickstarter the the companion book has a lot of interviews i wasn't able to do before the deadline for the main book fun stuff like I, i talked to the world record holder who holds the, the highest score in Mortal Kombat 1. I talked oh, to wow. a, a team of, uh, of modders in Brazil who made a, a near-arcade perfect version for Genesis. Um, mm. just tomorrow, as we're, as we're recording this, it'll be uh, Friday, March 25th. You'll be able to read an interview with Arcade 1-Up about how they got the Mortal Kombat license, what goes into acquiring the license, right. uh, how they're designing their 30th anniversary cabinet, stuff like that. So all sorts of cool stuff for you. <laughs> Pun unintended there. All sorts of uh, <laughs> cool stuff for Mortal Kombat fans to read 
because you know as a Mortal Kombat fan once you finish the game you want more once you finish the book if you want more there's cool stuff so you can go even deeper no of course and I totally forgot about the home arcade too obviously that they dropped and do they have all four in it or is it just up to Ultimate 3 it's so this one's unique it's 1, 2, 3 Ultimate MK3 and then they've got 10 other classic Midway games beside that there you go it's uh this cabinet has the most games they've ever offered in one unit. So it's, it's oh also the big thing, what okay. I'm looking forward to Wi-Fi play. So you can play what? anyone else, anyone in the world, rather no than way. just having to have someone over to your house. I'm really excited about that. Trust me, if, if I was able to put down that amount of dough into one cabinet, I would. But uh, oh, man. people know I'm, I'm a cheapskate. I'm very frugal. I, I cannot justify getting that for that amount of money when, like we said, if I could either get an, a ROM or an emulator or wait till eventually something drops for like 80 bucks, right? Right, exactly. I'm, I'm totally there with you. I always, I, right, even right now, they're selling the, the MK Countercade cabinet for yes, like I saw that too. bucks. It's 100 bucks off. And I'm like, nah, uh, still. I still don't know. Like, it's awesome, but, you know, you got to think about stuff like that. So that's that's another thing, going back to the Kickstarter. I know some of the, pri- the packages can get pricey, but right. I want to make sure that everything is valued. You'll be really happy you, with everything you get in a tier. But there are also other tiers where, hey, if you just want the book, I get you. I feel you. And there's, there's a tier for that, too. Well, since we're talking about it, plug it. Where can people go to click, to purchase... Floor's all yours. Do it, Absolutely, man. absolutely. I mean, the, the easiest thing to do is just go to longlivemortalcombat.com. There'll be a link to the Kickstarter right on there. You can also sign up to my free newsletter for email updates. That's also where I publish cool stuff until, again, that way we, we bind it in a print book. Um, and, yeah, follow me on Twitter at David L. Craddock. I, I, I plug stuff there, too. But, like I said, longlivemortalcombat.com is kind of the one-stop shop destination for all this information yeah and i've been retweeting a lot of it too so if you don't follow david and you follow myself but please do follow david i am also there so click on those links yes takes you right to everything now how about this what was the hardest part of writing this book i think it was with with a lot of the books i write it's funny because a lot of people assume since i I mostly write about classic games or in the case of shovel knight a classic style game sure People assume I'm, I'm nostalgic. I'm actually really not. I have a okay. fondness for these eras, but I, I write these stories because no one else has written them yet, and I want to find unique and interesting ways to tell them. Um, but the, that means that the hardest part of this is, you know, again, Mortal Kombat is turning 30 years old. A lot of people remember things differently, or they don't remember things at all. So it can be True. you have to kind of you have to turn over every stone. In fact, you have to look for stones you didn't know were there and turn them over too. So I would say that's been the hardest part, making sure I get all of the facts straight, which is which is a challenge with any nonfiction book. Like you don't you want to make stuff up because these are real people, real lives, and so you want to make things make things straight you know yeah and how about the page length because i'm a stickler for the amount of pages in a book like i've told people before and i'm I'm not embarrassed to admit it if it's over 200 pages unless i love it in this case mortal kombat if you write something that's 15,000 pages i think i'll read it but if it's something that i'm like eh, (laughs) it's got to be less than 200 so what does yours cap off at I totally get you. So double space, this is around 700 pages. I think, uh, I, I know, you almost did a spit thing there, and I don't blame you. That's one reason I, I was going to write about Mortal Kombat Mythologies as well, because it came out during the arcade era. That's but right. I was like, man, like I, I actually wrote the first draft in three months, which is a lot of writing. And I was like, all right, I'm saving this one for round two. But um, the thing is, you know, we're not exactly sure the page count yet for Ultimate, because there'll be a lot of a lot of concept art and just images oh, and stuff true. that sure. increase the paid count. But I would say that um, by the time this the standard edition is ready, which again is just the story, um, it'll probably be around maybe 350, 400 pages. But okay. the cool that's thing not is... No, that's not too bad. But the, the cool thing is with this one, the way I wrote it is that it's kind of four books in one. Mm. So if you want to read section one, which is just about Mortal Kombat, and then take a break for a while, you can do that. And then when sure. you're ready to read about Mortal Kombat 2 or 3 or 4, you've got kind of another book within a book there for you. No, that makes totally sense. And now you brought up another point. The mythology games. Like, how many were there? There was the Sub-Zero one. There was the one with Liu Kang and, and Kung Lao. Was there any more after that, or was it just a two? Let's see. There's uh, Mortal Kombat Mythology Sub Zero. Yeah. Then there's Mortal Kombat Special Forces with with Jack. That's right. Sonya. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I and, forgot about uh, that. One. 
that was actually just a little bit of trivia. That was the last game uh, uh, John Tobias worked on before he left Midway oh, wow. and started his own company. And then there was Mortal Kombat Shallow Monks, which I think that is, is Love pretty it. widely like the, the fan favorite. It's yes. so good. We need um, another one of those. Speaking of bringing something back. Oh, man. So, you know, since it's 2022, the game's turning 30. Uh, and we've talked about this a little bit, but I really hope they're getting to re-release. They're getting ready to re-release something. I hope uh, so. More than one something. I would love to see another package of the classic arcade games with four, of course. I'd sure. love to see, you know, a, a Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks HD. You know, of I think course. that's something that, like, almost... I feel like if fans were asked, if Ed Boon was like, hey, what do you want us to re-release if you could only choose one thing? I feel like Shaolin Monks might be the dominant favorite there. Right? Because that's, like, the last kind of side entry style game they made and it's still so good today so to be able to play that especially with online enabled uh, i think a lot of people would be super into that especially remastered version see and again speaking of secrets that game had a ton of secrets where you could go even though it was linear and it was like a side-scrolling beat-em-up type thing you could go up you could go down you could break stuff to go here or there you acquire different uh abilities and characters too right right? and then to progress further so it had that sort of Castlevania Metroid style to it, right? And yeah. oh my god, it's so. And again, thinking about it, I never understood, and I was huge on this too as a child. I never understood why more dominant fighting games didn't come out with like side scrolling type spin offs. Like, imagine a Street Fighter game like this as well. That's the thing. I, I think one reason it didn't happen is because so Capcom being a, a Japanese made game. And Mortal Kombat being an American-made game might be pretty uh, important here for a couple of reasons. Like, you know, first of all, I think if, if you look at Capcom, their cut, their bread and butter is sticking with like a handful of core franchises, right? And making sequels and remastering or remaking them. And a lot of Japanese companies, certainly not all of them, but a lot of Japanese companies tend to be pretty uh, traditional. They they don't want to take these big risks. Again, that's that's not across the board. We have something that just came out like Elden Ring, which is a, a Dark Souls game, very much, but it's also this huge open world, which is something from software has never done. Mm-hmm. But then Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat made more sense because um, I feel like it, this was um, Mortal Kombat came out at a point when when Eastern games developers, especially, were very dominant, but Western developers were starting to get a reputation for experimenting. On the PC, you had you had companies like id Software kind of popularizing first-person shooters with Doom and an online play and stuff like that. And then you had Midway, who was like, you know, Mortal Kombat. Another bit of trivia is Midway didn't expect that game to do well. They were like, Ooh. oh, we, we just need a filler game because we're waiting on NBA Jam to come out. So, right. boom, Tobias, <laughs> you guys want to make this this fighting game? Go make that. And you know, and then all of a sudden it blows up and it becomes their most successful game. Um, but it also, it also, like those guys wanted to experiment and John wanted to experiment. And that's also like Mortal Kombat lends itself to experimentation when you think about it because yep, story was does. always so important. It's pretty natural for fans to say, I wish I knew more about, I mean, you name it, every character in that mythology right? is pretty interesting. Of course. Whereas, again, like I would play a Street Fighter side game, but I'd have to be convinced because they waited too long to make the story an important part of that game. I, I don't really care what, what Ryu does when he's not fighting M. Bison, but I care about the rivalry between Scorpion and Sub-Zero. I care right. about Sonya's relentless pursuit of Kano. I care about Liu Kang kind of being the champion and feeling the pressure of having to do things, personal quests, like avenge his, his, his slain Shala, you know, the monk veterans by, uh, you know, I think Baraka's people invaded and killed them. Like, there's so much going on there. There's so much storytelling possibility that you could, you could make just side entries in Mortal Kombat games. And I feel like fans would be just as happy as with the the more conventional one-on-one fighting games. And you bring up a good point about the characters too. I I totally forgot about this. If you think about it, when you ask someone who's your favorite Mortal Kombat character, there's a list. Like, it's hard to pinpoint. Yeah, I know Sub-Zero, Scorpion are like so-called favorites. But after that, it's like blah, 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 blah. In Street Fighter, everyone's Ryu, Ken, or Guile. And that's pretty yep. much it. Like, you know what I mean? That's literally 99%. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure there's other people out there that pick other characters. But if you were in a fight for your life and you were trying to win a tournament, those, like, R- R- Ryu and Ken are the ones you're picking. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts. But Mortal Kombat, you could go up and down. Because, again, it's so different. Like, the, another great thing about Mortal Kombat, right? 
Oh yeah, like just as an example, my my favorite Mortal Kombat character ever okay. is Katana. Oh, I love okay. I love her combos. I love her look. I love her her backstory. Sure, you know, this princess torn between you know having to help her family who's been corrupted. You know, keep their hold on on uh, on Outworld while wanting to do the right thing and align with Liu Kang and, and his companions. Uh, she's just kind of the whole package for me. She's a really fascinating character, but a lot of other people they might love they might love Baraka or they might love someone kind of out of left field. One of the characters you don't hear about as much, like uh, maybe Kai from Mortal Kombat Four. I'm sure someone sure. out there is like, I love Kai. You know, like there's so many possibilities. Like you said, there's just that list. It's so true. One of my personal favorites is, is Johnny Cage. When I first saw him, again, I'm a huge martial artist fan, and back in the day, he sort of was a ripoff of Jean-Claude Van Damme, right? So that whole thing yeah. about, and then he was cocky, because again, in the late 90s, the bad boy and the cockiness was starting to rear its ugly head, so to speak. So it was like, you fell in love with that character. And to me, I loved everything Johnny, and his combo system, and again, he had, to me, the two best moves in Mortal Kombat. The shot to the balls, and then the uppercut with your head getting torn off. Come on, man. Oh, yeah. You can't get better than that. Oh, yeah. Johnny Cage, I feel like, is has endured so well, and I feel like he's even more relevant today because now that now that they have the technology, another amount of technology to do these more cinematic story modes, right. Johnny Cage is just shining so much. Like Mortal Kombat 9, one of my favorite moments is in the Mortal Kombat 1 segment of the story, he's getting in everybody's face. He's like, I'm taking you out. <laughs> I'm taking you out. I'm taking you out. And then he comes to Sonya, and he's like, and I'm taking you out dinner right such a a johnny cage cheesy thing to say but he's also interesting from a narrative perspective because someone a member of the mk community on twitter pointed this out johnny cage is cool because you have all these like elder gods and and shaolin monks who are who know all about this mysticism and these things like hey we're deciding the fate of the world but you have johnny cage who despite being a movie star is also an everyman so he's the one that's right now what the hell is going on explain this to me break it down you know (laughs) And I feel like he's the grounded character and the comedy relief, which makes him a, a fan favorite. Yeah, no, it's so true. And again, if it wasn't for Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, because I have to give, again, the props for Street Fighter, there's so many other games that I wouldn't have played because I wasn't a huge fighting fan back then. But then when this, when these two came out, like, and then you saw so many other, like you saw like spinoffs of other franchises, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had their own fighting game. Like you said, then DC did their fighting game. And, and yeah. then you had Marvel, obviously. There's one. One that still stands out because it was sort of close to Mortal Kombat. I don't know if you ever played this one. Was Eternal Champions on Sega Genesis. Yeah, yeah. So that's the, the cool thing about Street Fighter Mortal Kombat is if you think about it, so many fighting games have come and gone. Like nobody really remembers Eternal Champions now. It was kind of a one and done deal. Yeah. Killer Instinct is an exception. Another one. But even then, they've only had there have only been three main Killer Instinct games. Right. There have been eleven numbered Mortal Kombat games of counting. Um I feel like you're right. You hit the nail on the head. Most fighting games are either in the style of Street Fighter or the style of Mortal Kombat. That was true in the nineties, and it's true today. Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter are still the top two fighting game franchises. There's a lot more competition with games sure. like the Dragon Ball Z fighting game. Tekken is game another fighters. big one for all the Tekken fans because yeah. they're probably killing us exactly. right now. Exactly, Tekken. <laughs> and, but like, still, like if you name the top two, it's, it's yeah, always some combination. The Street Fighter Mortal Kombat, yeah. whether you put one at number one or the other, it's still those two, you know? Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Well, and then the other thing too is all the spin-offs, like we like their collector cards, the comics, obviously the movies, we didn't even touch on those, right? Like everything right. that Mortal Kombat's produced over the years is just phenomenal. It is, and I think that's again because of the lore. Like if you have if you have your favorite character, you want to get the t-shirts or the watches or the figures or the trading cards that show your favorite character. Uh, you know, now nowadays there are there's a whole retro market that caters to people our age and older who grew up with this stuff and now have the money for all these collectible items uh the the movies again i think mortal kombat so i'm someone who loves the street fighter movie i think it's it's bad but it knows it's bad sure it's trying to have fun with it and i love it for that reason but mortal kombat i think the original 95 mortal kombat you could make a strong case that's still the greatest video game movie adaptation i love it it's so good. It holds up. It was true to the source material, but still kind of did its own things. Like I loved, right? I loved, you know, Raiden, Liu Kang, Sonya, and Johnny Cage being a party, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of venturing through together. And I mean, 
you, you see that in the modern games, it's usually those four, some combination of them that are always on the same side, always kind of fighting for the light. Um, and yeah, there's just, I actually have chapters on that about how Mortal Kombat grew from a video game into this licensing machine that kind of printed money between lunchboxes and apparel and movies and TV shows, you name it. Yeah, no kidding. It's so true. It's its own universe. Like they've created their own metaverse, I guess, because that's the new cool term to use, right? So, uh, right, right. <laughs> we're in the we're in the the metamortal universe, I guess. I like that metamortal universe. Yes. Oh, no, here, even better. But, the meta combat. Like, there's a twist oh, on that. The old battle cry, right? Meta, meta right. combat. That's See, and about. that's the other thing. I'm glad you brought that up. That war cry of Mortal Kombat. Who does not know that? And mind you, yeah, it is them saying their own name. But even in, in the games, in the movies, it's, it has to be there, right? Oh, yeah. It's it's just everybody knows that even if you weren't playing games back then, it's, it's you know, that, the, that song, Techno Syndrome, Love is it. still played in, in sports arenas. <laughs> it's kind of like... It's kind of like The Rock, right? Like, you know him from wrestling, but a lot of people just know him because he's everywhere. And Mortal Kombat is kind of like that, too. It's a pillar of popular culture. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Well, before we get to the worst story of the week, another pillar of popular culture is video games, which we both really enjoy. And obviously, like I said, right. you've written books about video games, right? So, okay, how about this? Since you did write Shovel Knight, have you played the new Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon yet? I haven't gotten a chance okay. to play it. One of the so I'm also uh, directing uh, a movie right now oh. for the first time, a documentary about first person shooters. So between that, oh wow, and <laughs> Mortal Kombat, sure. and I, I'm also uh, I can't really talk about it, but I'm a narrative designer on a big game coming up pretty soon. Wow, I barely have I I, I kind of have to choose like one game to play at a time. Sure, and right now because my wife's playing with me, so we're playing side by side. We're okay. playing through Elden Ring because we love the Souls game. So I hope to get to Pocket Dungeon soon. I actually backed the Kickstarter. Oh, nice for the uh, you know for the for the uh, new Yacht Club Shovel Knight style right. game. So I'm pumped about that. Well, I want to get into Elden Ring for sure, but first before we get into that, I want to know what is your total min account or hour count now at Animal Crossing? Because last time we talked, it was four oh five. What do you have you have you gotten over a thousand, my friend? I'm I'm right on the crest there, dude. I really talked about that. Yeah, I I think that might be my favorite all, of game of all time, honestly. Oh, which, okay, okay. Like, here, here are the stats, right? Like, how can you disagree with this? Okay, that game has been out two years, but yep. I've played it. I play it every day, usually only for twenty minutes, just to just to like just to zone out sure. because it's such a peaceful it's such a peaceful game. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of my zen moment. Um, and I can't think of any other game I've played. Like, I go back to a lot of games. Like, I love the Resident Evil games. I've beaten 2 and the remake of 2 and RE4 more times than right. I can count. But I haven't played those in a little while, whereas I'm still playing Animal Crossing. It's just such a peaceful game to me. So I'm I'm right on the cusp of a 1,000, and I'll probably play a 1,000 more, honestly. Okay, now back to Elden Ring then. Okay, I have yes. to know this, and I don't understand. I'm on the opposite <laughs> fence. I hate the Souls sure. games. Now, okay, I, I hate using the word hate, even though that's a double name, but I don't like using the word hate, because that's a strong word. Yeah. I, I don't hate it. I, I dislike it because it's not my genre. First off, sure. I hate, again, hate, my goodness, this word's in my mind. <laughs> I dislike hard games. I don't have the patience to play hard games, and I have nightmares from playing hard games. Because, again, we grew up in the era where everything was oh, yeah. cheese, and you'd get cheap deaths, so you could keep, again, pumping in the money, right? The quarters after right. quarter. So, for me to play difficult games nowadays, I'm out. I, put every, I play everything on easy. If there was... Well, no, I shouldn't say that, because if there was a viewing mode, then you're not really playing video games. But, if like, right. I try and play easiest, because I want to get through the story to move on to the next. Like, And I, get, yeah. I, and I do get my fulfillment, because... Not everything is, and I love the games. Okay, this is to all the developers that so happen to listen to this show. Please put sliders on every single option that you want. Because I could have, I could play an easy game, but make a certain aspect of it difficult. So at least I get some satisfaction out of it. Like, does that make sense? Oh, that totally makes sense. I totally get what you're saying. I think that the interesting thing about Elden Ring is... Even if you didn't like any other Souls games, Elden Ring might kind okay. of change your mind. The reason is okay. they have incorporated a so-called easy mode, but not in the way you expect. It's okay. not an option you find in a menu, but 
check this out. Okay. It's an open world game. Right. And any any bonfire you find, if at any time you're like, man, this dungeon's hard, you just open the map and you can just leave and go somewhere else and just oh. explore for a while. Okay. If and Souls has always kind of done this. They they kind of turn a lot of RPG genre conventions on their head. So sure. um, magic in that game is has always been, you know, traditionally in RPGs, like sorcerers start out really weak but then grow powerful. In the Souls games, sorcerers start out powerful and become godlike. It's just power on top of power on top of power. So a quote-unquote easy mode, and a lot of players have a problem with this, but I don't because I want people to just have fun and experience games at their leisure. Sure. You know, uh, If you choose a caster, the game will be a lot easier, so to speak, because spells are so powerful right out of the gate. Okay. And also there's co-op. If you were ever to get Elden Ring, you could play through the entire game with someone like me who knows what they're doing. They could right. be like, I'll take you to the coolest areas. I'll make sure you get to see the best cutscenes, and we'll just oh, have fun co-oping together. Sure. So it's a really, there are a lot of things in there that souls players love, right. but this is, it's, it's kind of like breath of the wild. If you weren't a fan of Zelda's kind of tired formula of overworld dungeon, overworld dungeon, breath of the wild was like, Hey, this is Zelda, but experienced in a fresh new way. Elden Ring is like that. It's it's this is Dark Souls, but in kind of a fresh take on the formula. That's a lot more inviting, I think, than any of the other games I've ever been. See, and again, maybe you don't know this about me either. I'm one of those one percentile that did not like Breath of the Wild. To me, oh, okay, that's fair. Like you know, that's what I mean, I'm, I love the orig- like the remake of Link's Awakening. I think was better than Breath of the Wild, and people are gonna I love that game, too. kill me too. I but that. I love that top down SNES type style Zelda play. Like to me. That's perfect. You, you don't need to change it. They, what I, yeah. in my opinion, what they should have done with Zelda, or with Breath of the Wild, is make it its own IP and start something new with this now and create new characters and leave Zelda the way it was. I would have loved to have seen that too. I, I guess I'm the sort of person where, like, I, I like it when I'm always fascinated by companies who can take a known IP and try mm. to put a twist on it. Like, you know, Resident Evil True. Four was so different from 1, 2, and 3, right. but it was still a Resident Evil game in its heart. Right. And I feel like Breath of the Wild is still that. It was just missing It was missing those classic dungeons. I did miss those. I, I like the other stuff they did, but I, I get what you're saying. I mean, I loved the uh, Link's Awakening remake, too. I thought that game was brilliant. Right. Um, it's it. just about different flavors. And so I, I, I totally get it. Like, I, you know, if, if people don't like Elden Ring, I'm like, oh, that's cool. That That's the cool thing about games these days, I was right? Gonna There's say, so many different types so of games. So many, yep. Just like wrestling. There's, there's something for everybody. Yeah, always oh, just like wrestling. Exactly. exactly. Right? The two almost go hand in hand nowadays. And that, again, that's what I love about... But but you know what? It's funny, though, that these two communities almost are identical because it's the same thing. If you don't like a certain product in wrestling, you get the other side always hounding you. It's not like, oh, it's okay. Don't worry. At least... Like, I don't understand why they don't like... At least you like wrestling. Like, you know what I mean? Go after the people yeah. who don't like wrestling. Same thing with video games. Like, so many people have looked down on me for Breath of the Wild, even though I am aware. I know. It's a fantastic game. It's almost a perfect game. It's just not for me so i understand why it's good it's just not for and same thing with all the souls type games not for me but i yeah. understand it has its place but the people will be like oh you're not a true gamer then oh you suck at video games if you can't play souls it's like really get the fuck out of here it's it's so weird you know the, the gatekeeping is just is kind of what makes Thank you. a lot of gaming culture toxic and so that's why i'm like well hey if, if you don't like souls games maybe try elden ring because it's a lot different but if you don't like it might. yeah that's fine let's let's play something else you know and exactly that, that's the funny thing i've dealt with that too like um a lot of souls fans consider bloodborne their favorite okay i did not like bloodborne didn't oh, wow. like it there you go um and so i got the same thing like you're not a real gamer and it's like man i, I don't even know what that means <laughs> i can go from elden ring to animal crossing and everything in between oh, i just wow. love to play games you know yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Oh, my God. Okay, on that note, you ready for the worst story of the week, my friend? Let's do it. Okay, so are you one of those that is afraid or dislikes going to the dentist? I'm not. I'm Me not. neither. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, it's never bothered me. Like, knock on wood, the only major, I guess it's not even surgery, but the only major thing I've done at a dentist is, is get a root canal. And to me, everyone was like, oh, well, I've had my wisdom teeth pulled too. And that's a whole totally different story because... It, the numbing didn't take place and they actually yanked it while I, I still felt it. So yeah, I'm scarred for life, but I'm oh. maybe that's why I'm not scared of the dentist. Cause the worst thing already happened to me, but everyone's like, Oh, you're going to get a root canal. It's the worst thing ever. I was eating McDonald's two hours later after my root canal. It was nothing to me. I don't know. Maybe I have horse you, teeth you or something. You know what's worse? And I don't want to slow you down here. Sure. But no, go me, for it. The anticipation of, it, of anything scary is so much worse than the thing. itself. That's true. We, we build it up you know in our I mean? minds. That's how I feel. 
Yeah. That's how I feel. No, you're so true. Okay, so this might not freak you out too much then this week. But to those who don't like the dentist, maybe you want to fast forward a few minutes. So oh. this week's story comes from Wisconsin, where a dentist has been found guilty of gruesome violations of both the law and probably every single medical oath in existence. Oh, man. So what, what exactly did this, did this man do? Okay, exactly. Yeah. So the crooked dentist purposefully damaged his patient's teeth to make millions of dollars by installing crowns. Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. Right? So There's he, a certain level of trust you have to have in, in figures who are working with your body. And if you violate that, you violate something, I think, fundamental to, to being a human. You know? And that's, that's terrible. Well, that's the thing. And, and he was doing it since... 2015 and got caught finally in 2019 and in just the four years alone he billed insurance companies and people approximately 4.2 million dollars jeez in four years can you imagine that that's that's ridiculous you have to figure I, i don't know how people can can do something like that for so long and not realize that they're gonna get caught right it's it's gonna happen it's gonna happen so I'm glad you you brought that up. So how did he actually get caught? So he sold his practice, and when the new people came over and took over, they're going through the paperwork and stuff just didn't add up. And then they finally figured it out, and then they reported him, and then that's how he got caught. Yeah, like <laughs> right? How dumb are you? Ah, oh, man, you know there's always a paper trail, and if that trail doesn't add up. You're going down. And this guy deserved to go down. Fuck that guy. That's terrible. So now, yeah. this is where it gets gruesome. So if people actually oh, got this far, so what exactly did he do to these poor patients? Oh, no. So he would take a, ne- a so-called, I'm putting quotation marks in the air, a so-called x-ray, and then he would show another person's mouth x-ray with damaged teeth in it. And then you'd be like, see, look, you have this. And then obviously, like you said, you trust obviously physicians and doctors and dentists, so you agree with them. You're like, yeah, of course. Well, if I need it, I need it. I don't want my teeth to fall out and be rotten, right? So then he would put them under and he would purposefully drill and break their teeth and then apply a crown on top. Oh, man. Right? I'm not afraid of the dentist, but that's still hard to stomach. That's tough. So now if you have the option of having gas or just an inject, take the fucking injections and stay awake, man. Don't let these people work on you while you're sleeping. (laughs) That's that's a good life tip right there, for real. Yeah. Right? Oh, my God. It, it's... <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, why it's so prolonged. So, this is 2019, like I said. So, finally, March 11 of this year, the federal court found the dentist guilty, thank God, of five counts of health care fraud and two counts of making false statement related to health care issues. So, sentencing is scheduled for June 17th. He's looking at up to 10 years in prison for each healthcare fraud and an additional five for the false statements. And on top of that, over 100 patients have come forward and are suing his ass. Good. Right? Good. So there is at least they, they, a silver lining to this they, story. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, you know, a lot of people are like, well, why sue? Money can't fix everything. That's here's, not the point. Money isn't everything, but it's, can't, it's good for a down payment. You know, it's, it's good for for being able to take care of yourself and your family and maybe hopefully finding a way to repair a lot of the damages this guy has done, not just physically, but mentally as well. You know, I say they have a raffle with all these hundred people and for how many teeth he has in his mouth, you have that many winners and each one gets to yank out a tooth of his. <laughs> that's right. That's and justice. Tell him like, Oh, Hey, your teeth are damaged. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta get them repaired. You know? <laughs> well david it's been a pleasure once again love always chatting with you plug anything else you want to promote go promote mortal Kombat again your socials all that fun stuff go for it oh man thank you it's it's always a pleasure as well uh, we'll definitely have to do this more often but yeah for long live mortal Kombat, go to long live mortal or follow me on twitter at david l craddock and there'll be a link to the kickstarter as my pinned comment Nice. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast DAP. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast DAP at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them, almost definitely helps me out. And most importantly, please, people, each and every week, if you haven't done it yet, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. One last question, David, for you. Do you ever plan on writing any type of wrestling book like uh, autobiography or even fictional anything like that i would it doesn't matter oh how did i not 
not see that coming. How did I not see that coming? I've done that to so many people. The Rock's my favorite all time. You, you know what? I bow down to you, sir. I bow see, down to you. So you how do... long have you been waiting to do that? No, see here. Here's the kicker. It doesn't matter. Okay, no. now we're, okay. we're just gonna go back and forth now for another hour. Yeah, that's, right. that's right. That's right. Here's the kicker for the listeners who do know. You caught me last time when asking a question. So this oh, is payback, right. my friend. And that's how many that's times right. you do it. You don't even remember. So everyone out there that's listening, that's. David's done this too. Please get him back. <laughs> yeah, man, I deserve it. I deserve it. Well played. Well played. <laughs> no, but in all honesty, do you plan on writing anything wrestling related? I I would love to. Um, so last night on on Dynamite, as the time we're recording this, right. uh, John Moxley referred to Brian Danielson as the perfect wrestler, mm. and he is a hundred percent fucking right. He's uh, <laughs> I think he's the best in the world. I know he's written his own memoir. But, yep. you know, I would love to do something with him or maybe I go on the road with him for like a month, a year. And like, what is it like to be on the road with one of the greats? You know, mm. what is it like to, to compete, to get ready for a dynamite, to to go, to maybe go to Japan because I know he wants to compete. I yep. think it's the G1 Cup. Uh, you of know, course. what is it just like, you know, on the road with one of the greats? I think it would be a great story. That's awesome. On that note, he's David. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace. Peace.